0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, and my patron peeps, and my patron peeps, and my patron peeps. I said it three times for a reason, Uh, because if you saw the title of this episode, to to, to cozy up the bed for you, because it's time for the podcast you support. What do you say we get on with the... Oh, hey, patrons, don't forget uh, to sign up for our our patron newsletter, com slash patron newsletter. You're probably already subscribed, but just in case you're not, we have two newsletters, one uh, for just major alerts and then one regular one. I don't know if by when you're hearing this have been any of them have come out, but just wanted to get you, uh, like, uh, the info. Thanks. Uh, Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do, I'm just going to attempt to do it, I do sound like... I mean, let me, like, uh, get away any misconceptions. I know I do sound like a daring... Whatever those people are. Stunt performer? I forget what they're called. Uh, What I'm going to attempt to do, though, is not, uh, you know, do trapeze or... I guess it is a bit of a... It's a bit of a low-wire act, uh, because I don't even want to use that other word. Uh, It's a wire that's so close to the ground... I guess you'd say, "Well, where, where, where else am I going uh, to get started?" I to put the wire on the ground. Uh, what do you think I'm going to? That was the, like that's the best place. To... I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just wondering. And they said, "Well, it's actually, actually, we never thought of that." And I said, "Isn't this the uh, Low Wire Institute of Performance Based?" Uh... They said, "No, uh, this is just the uh, hardware store, sir." once again we told and i said oh boy oh boy well i just wanted to come in i i find it very soothing to come in and handle your <laughs> handle your coils to, uh i mean the the like uh, or spools I, I like to just come in and uh i, I realize that I, I try to respool everything that i unspool i don't think i make it as nice as it does but uh you know, in those big box stores, it's just not the same. I don't even know if they have spools in there. Uh, but do they, you could just, could you, I, I know, I, I support you, though. Every time I need something and I remember to come here and then I overcome my resistance to, to go anywhere or to do anything and then to do anything that might be helpful, I'll come here. Then I get distracted by the, like, uh, Were you listening when I was pretending I was going to be... Because believe it or not, while I'm talking to you, I'm also supposed to be introducing a podcast. But were you listening in while I was uh, unspooling and re-spooling this? uh, Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we should do an episode about this tonight. It's possible. So anyway, sorry about that, listeners. I got uh, off track really early what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you, excuse me, I'll be back to my shopping here, your shop, your store. Also, is there an ACE or, or like is ACE a name or is it like a, uh, like this other place? And what happened? Like I, I prefer to go someplace where I say, I don't know if I'm looking for an ACE. I am looking for a value. That's true. Uh, I know you got, th- there is that good jingle you have, uh, I never know how it ends. So I know ACE is a place for your helpful, something friendly stuff, something hardware stuff. Oh, the listeners just corrected me. Thanks listeners. So anyway, I'm here. Uh, what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, uh, whether it's thoughts you're thinking about, I mean, now you may have a few, you say, wait a second. Is that how what, what those uh balancing acts get started? I mean, I remember when Scoots talked about when he was a gym 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 school gymnast school dropout. I mean, I, I, I was uh, I'm, I mean, I'm no Pinky Tuscadero, believe me, but uh I did drop out uh of uh gym whatever it was. It was a gymnastics uh, gymnastics that's what they call it. I've talked about this. It's been a few years, and I probably shouldn't do it at the very beginning of a sleep podcast when I already went off topic once. But I mean, why not, right? Well, I I just try. I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. Well, I got to gymnastics. I said, "Mom, I got it." It was, must have been, the, you know, what after one of the big Olympics, uh, and I identified with one like uh, like some of the Olympians but i mean it was definitely women's gymnastics, no offense to men's gymnastics but uh but I said i got it you know i got i gotta tumble, I gotta spring off the the springboard the spring spring horse or whatever they call it, and I got a pommel you know i gotta pommel that thing, and she said, okay, well, look into it i want to f- help foster your dreams as a young lad this was, this was when my mom still had it. it before. This was the before time, before she realized what she had her, her hands full of. And she said, so you're sure about this? I said, as sure as I was about uh, everything else, uh, I'm sure. I got to spring. I got to spring into the sky and flip around. And, uh, you know, I'm as uneven as you know, I'm going to make those uneven bars. Uh, yeah, I for sure, mom. I'm into it. And then the first day of uh, gymnastics class, uh, they had us run down towards the pommel horse and step on the jumpy thing. And that was it. And I said, uh, "What time, wh- okay, like this is an hour, right? Like what time are we going to be doing the f- flips? I'd like to get in a – the a, a teacher said, well, have you flipped before I said, if I teach, if I was, if I'd flipped before, I would. I'd be, I'd be outside doing flips. Uh, no, I've not. And she said, "Well, this is an introductory class." And I said, "Right, the introduction to pommeling, and springing, whatever this thing's called. I want to, like, uh, like, like uh, the Americans and Romanians and the Russians. I gotta be. I gotta do. I gotta fly free." Uh, I don't think I knew who Nadia Comaneci was because I think that was a little bit before me, but I probably said I got to do, you know. And she said, well, that's not covered. Like, uh, we're just running. And I said, well, I mean, I can run run up and down. So that was the end of my gymnastics career. I never went back uh, because my mom said, well, how was gymnastics? They said, well, we just ran up and down an aisle and stepped on a springboard, but we didn't even spring off it. Also I realized that it was going to take a lot of like uh who would have thought it, what, you can't just do a, a triple Lutz right then and that's how, that's exactly if you you know if you're into this you know that's how you end up making a sleep podcast those are the stages of uh like a like a, what are the you see what are the form like it must have been some formative experiences that really guided you towards this calling and I'd say, yeah, like the time I dropped out of gymnastics class or the time I made my piano teacher cry or the the times I made my uh, tap teacher, tap dancing teacher exasperated, like, uh, um, or, uh, like, uh, yeah, or is it something else, uh. So anyway, if you're here, like, I'm here to create a safe place to take your mind off whatever's keeping you awake. I'm sorry, I'm so... If you're new, for a regular listener, this is a treat, am I right? But for a new listener, let me tell you, whatever's keeping you awake, I'm here to take your mind off. That could be thoughts, feelings, or physical sensations, changes, or travel... Or just stuff. You know, whatever it is that's keeping me awake, I'm here to take your mind off that. What I'm going to do is try to create a safe place. Then I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Uh, Pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. I'm going to go off topic and uh, keep you company and all and all that. But if you're new, usually I try to get to this stuff sooner, but uh, you, you might have figured it out already. This podcast is very different and not normal, and it's made by someone that fits uh, those monikers. If those are monikers, uh, I mean, the show is made by a g- gymnastics class dropout. I mean, and I wouldn't say it dropped out of piano class because uh, – that was actually what taught me how to drop out of stuff because I don't know why I couldn't drop out of piano class, but uh, I just couldn't. I couldn't, I didn't have the moral or whatever, the turp, I don't know if that's turpitude, though I probably was the same age. But I said, that's where I learned all my, all, some of my great all or nothing, you know, ways of living. Don't, kids, don't live like all or nothing person like me. You either take piano class for twenty five years and you never learn piano, or you go to like. There is a happy medium. You could go, you know, go to ten gymnastics classes, and then say, oh, if I progressed or not, or ten piano lessons and actually practice, so maybe, and maybe, you know, maybe be more open minded about it. But it's okay, you know. We're all, we're all, you know, we've all been children, and some of us are just a little bit more childish. That's just the truth. And some of us have trouble getting back to the point. So if you're new, a couple things to know. One, I'm an acquired taste. So there's that. So if you haven't acquired the taste for me, there's no no wrong. That That's to totally natural. Actually, 90% of our listeners, it's, they say it takes two or three episodes to acquire a taste for this podcast to not listen to it. I'm I'm not quoting exactly, but they say, like, don't, so don't be like me and just run. You say, wait a second, the guy didn't put me to sleep. He just talked about gymnastics class. uh, Even though the episode was called Unspooling Something, Unspooling My Dreams. And I said, well, hubba, hubba. And I said, you definitely got the wrong podcast, and this is not Cinemax. Uh, But so anyway, uh, so the podcast is a bit different, but the thing is you don't really listen to it. If you're still trying to make sense of it or wait to get started, kind of start to tune me up like, or loosely pay attention. Kind of like I'm like a piece of tracing paper or something that you barely see. You say, okay, uh, because uh, the podcast it, it, it never really gets started. It kind of just putters along on a meandering path, and then I loop back. Also, this podcast really doesn't put you to sleep. It's just here to keep you company as you drift off. That's why the shows are about an hour, to give you plenty of time. But also, if you can't sleep, you know, oh, wait, I'm going to be here to the very end to keep you company. So I'm here whether you're awake or asleep. Uh, so that's one of my jobs. Uh, other things to know is, uh, let's see, what else you need to know is, uh, the structure of the show. Show starts off, uh, with an intro, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. Uh, then that's so, you know, everybody's welcome here. Then there's business. Uh, that's how we keep the show coming out twice a week, uh, on the regular then there's an intro. The intro goes from about minute four or six or something to minute twenty, twenty-two, and that's where I try to introduce the podcast, as you've seen. And then I immediately could get distracted and go off topic. Sometimes twice, uh, with uh, like we already visited a hardware store and a gymnastics gymnastics class, and got you know a little insight into my childhood. So those are all. Uh, Things that in a normal intro, you would cut out. Or you'd say, here's the sleep podcast. Let's get on to the sleepy stuff. Uh, This is Sleepy Mix Sleeps, and I'm here to stuff up your pillow full of dreams. And you say, well, if my pillow's stuffed with dreams, how am I supposed to sleep? Because they're supposed to be in my head. Uh, You say, okay, well, uh, but so this podcast, what was I saying? Oh, so the intro... It doesn't get to the point, but it's really part of the show. Like a lot of listeners use it to wind down and get some distance between the day and the night, whether you're in bed or you're getting ready for bed, or it's during the day and you need a break, however you want to use it. Uh, so those that's the intro. Then there's business between the intro and the episode. That's the structure of podcasting. It's like a thing called a mid-roll. So that's essential to bringing the podcast. Then there'll be our story, which now, after this intro, I say, well, I guess our story is going to be about unspooling dreams somehow. So that'll be interesting. So there'll be our story. Uh, that'll be about 45, 50 minutes, and then there'll be some thank yous at the end. So that's the structure of the show. Uh, yeah, you don't really need to listen or pay attention. And then the reasons I make the show is, one... Uh, Because I've been there. I know how it feels in the deep, dark night, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. So I'm happy to help if I can, because they say, well, I, I don't like that. And then the other reason is because you deserve a good night's sleep. I believe that you do deserve a good night's sleep, a place where you can have some solace and some rest and uh, some comfort and if you do do if you, if this podcast can help you do it then that makes the world a better place and you say well it's not that big a deal and i say well it is to me i really do believe that it's a little micro, like it's important that you deserve a place where you can be rested tomorrow and flourish now the flip side of it is like i said this podcast just doesn't work for everybody no not everybody likes me and i mean i totally accept that Or they don't like my voice or the style of the show. It just doesn't work for them. And there is other sleep podcasts and sleep audio out there. It's getting more and more popular. Uh, But but so I hope you find something that works for you. Or fans or, you know, music, whatever it is. Uh, But give it, this show, a couple tries at least. If you're having trouble sleeping already. Or usually somebody recommends this podcast and just see how it goes. But, yeah, I'm really happy, and I'd be honored to help uh, uh, in any way I can. Uh, And I appreciate you coming by. I really appreciate you checking the show out. I yearn and I strive because I really want to help you fall asleep. So thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways I'm able to bring this podcast to Choice Week uh, right on time, Sunday and Wednesday. Thanks. Alright right, everybody, is Scoots here, and uh, this is a a special episode uh, that I didn't expect to make. Uh, It's about, uh, you know, it's been a while since we went, like, the last time I went into a, like, other than in the intro, to a local, you know, hardware store, My Imagination, uh, where the values may be true, or there may be aces, or maybe it's be. I guess it's interesting. I guess I wonder if 99 PI has done an episode about uh hardware stores, probably, or maybe another economics podcast. Because you say, well, has like if, 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 if I just I guess I'm wondering if hardware stores always been affiliated. Also a good question internationally they're probably not called a hardware stores so I wonder what they're called let me know wherever you are in the world what you call a store or a shop you would go to to get like a like a uh tools I guess you'd get you could get tools you could get uh whatever I don't know what are what are like nails and screws called because they're stuff you use tools on and usually it's very specific, and there's one specific feature. In the U.S., we still have what I would call local hardware stores. I think they're probably locally owned, but they're affiliated with broader organizations. Maybe they're franchises. And when you're little uh, and you w- w- go, you you know, you have an extra big cone of ignorance. Like to me, growing up in Syracuse, New York, that was the center of my world. I think the true. I think it was Bob's True Value was the closest. It uh, was the first hardware store I became aware of, and I thought that they were all Bob's True Value. And uh, but I don't think that's uh, like I don't, I don't think that was the case. Uh, though TJ's. Oh no, was Big Boy wasn't. Here's a question I don't even know the answer to. So in Syracuse. And this is a really hard one. So there used to be a store called Big Boys, right? I guess it was, and there's still some in Southern California, I believe. And it was kind of like a sit-down. Was it, it was like a bit of a diner. I think it specialized in burgers. I mean, to me, it was a fancy restaurant. And, I mean, I've talked about it before. But the one in Syracuse was called TJ's Big Boys, but maybe TJ was the franchisee. I don't know. And both of these, I guess you could say, were, air, like, 80s era. Though the, the hardware stores still exist, at least, like, depending on where you live. There are big box hardware stores. And, uh like, uh, those I find exhausting. No offense, big box hardware stores. I mean, sometimes I go there, but... uh it's, uh, you know, it's not, not, you're not easy to deal with, uh, at all. Uh, but so, um, oh, let's talk about big boys for a second. Oh boy. Let's talk about those big boys. <laughs> Definitely someplace called big boys. Uh, if both, either one, you'd say well, that, that's problematic. I'd say you're right. Uh, and it had a big smiling cartoonish statue out front holding a burger and the reason I miss it is because uh, I think I've only eaten that. the one, the one in Syracuse is long, 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 long gone. I don't know when it, it disappeared. It's surprising on the boulevard it was on that it was even there. But I guess in the pre like w- when there was local malls before, a lot of times there was just a mega mall, which happened in Syracuse, and it put the mall like the rest of the malls out of business. You probably would so boulevard okay a lot of definitions here coming up this is an interesting episode i guess this i thought this was going to be a surreal episode and maybe we'll get into some surreality but for the time being this is a like we're grounded in some reality an interesting like a uh, crossover of reality because okay so should I talk about big. Well, let's talk about boulevards uh, now in Syracuse or streets. Like when I say a boulevard, I don't mean a picturesque boulevard with like meat grass medians and like it's like a boulevard in the eighties and maybe the in the nineties. Yeah, would mean uh, in in the parlance of uh, in the United States would mean. What what is the least uh, pedestrian friendly thing other than a highway where you can't go as a pedestrian? If it was on Jeopardy, it'd say uh, a place no pedestrian should ever go, even though they're allowed to, and don't even think about it if you're on a bike. Uh, what is a boulevard? Uh, and they say correct, or like there's other ones, but I think bou- boulevard is. Uh, there were streets, yeah, because one was Genesee Street, West Genesee Street. But then there was Erie Boulevard in Syracuse, E-R-I-E, and Onondaga Boulevard— uh, which was uh, the boulevard I lived closest to, but this isn't the boulevard. I think I don't know which boulevard I'm talking about. I think we're talking about Genesee Street in this case. But anyway, it's a, to me, it's all. It'll always be a boulevard. You're not just a street to me, Genesee Street. And it may be West Genesee Street. I don't know if it was west west of what. Uh, maybe I don't know. But so, so that was like a boulevard or a street. It would be. Uh, It's not a highway. It may have a number, though, because I know those numbers and stuff mean stuff like, oh, well, we could make this into a highway if we needed to. I think that's what those mean. Like, oh, we could make this a state or the federals could make this into a highway, but we probably won't. So, And it's like a state route. Like back in the day, this would be before highways. I don't know if this is what Route 66 was. But I'm pretty sure, yeah. You'd say Route Route 66 is like a, would be a lot of boulevards. We, you know, those of you that travel the highways and the byways, especially like these kind, in my mind. Uh, I guess this is like a little bit. This will be a little bit of a tour. Uh, I thought we were going to go to a hardware store and pull on the. Uh, but I don't even know. I don't even know where Bob's True Value is. But so now we're on a boulevard. When a boulevard means is it it's multi-laned sometimes the lanes would be separated with a concrete thing though a lot of times and it was a yellow double stripe which means no passing but you could pass uh and they'd be like two lanes maybe three for right or left turns and probably speed limit was a little bit higher like 35 probably definitely not 40 because there's a lot of lights uh So a place where there's a lot of traffic, not a lot of walking. And so that is where Bob's or TJ's big boy was, the restaurant. And so if we were going to go there, other things that were on there would be a karate studio was right by there that I went to the introductory class. And my parents would, like, after the class, and I think we might have gone as a group for, like, Cub Scouts. And it was very intense, uh, a little bit like uh, the level of intensity in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. But I think you also had to, uh, uh, like, uh, it, it was just within my parents' belief system. It, it was, it was uh, I think you were supposed to pray to the, like, American flag uh, in, the, um, in this dojo. And my parents weren't comfortable with that uh, because they said, well, we have a belief system. At least that's what they told me when they said, I said, I'd like to learn. uh, And they said, no. And then they said, well, remember how stuff worked out with gymnastics class? And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm a gymnastics class dropout. So... Uh, there was probably like a photo studio. There's definitely like photo development across the street. Cause across the street was, uh, my first mall, Fairmount Fair mall, which has appeared in multiple episodes or what I can remember of it. But so Bob's uh, TJ's big boy, I think it's called Bob's big boy in LA. Cause I remember calling there cause they would have, cause back when I had a job selling fuzzy dice, they might have been one of my customers because they would have big, big car nights. And that was one of the ways that they kept it when... I know I read articles about this, so I'll have to look it up. When they talk about why in Southern California, Big Boys is still in business and popular. It's like, oh, because of the bag And I'll definitely make a trek to one uh, when we can travel again. Because when I'm recording, this is not, uh, not an option. But so... Because they would have big car nights or whatever you call it, classic car nights. Uh, or maybe one of my customers would go there and sell fuzzy dice. Yeah, that was one of my jobs as an adult, uh, not as a college student or a teen, selling fuzzy dice and iron-on iron patches. So, like, uh, big boys, I always imagined. Oh, I was talking about my first mall, Fairmount Fair, I was across the street. So maybe we'll talk about that. But uh, so the the restaurant Big Boy... T.J.'s Big Boys, T.J.'s Big Boy, you're right. Uh, Thank you, Brain. It was, so it was a sit-down restaurant where you had a a waiter or waitress. So it was not a, and I think maybe the kitchen was in the center of it. There was probably a salad bar because, oh boy, 80s and 90s were like salad bars were the thing. I guess in my mind, I'm picturing, so there was booths, and then there's probably counter seating on stu- built-in stools. So this is something like a diner, like something you'd stop at on a roadside adventure, I guess. And But to me, I guess we ate there, maybe I ate there three or four times. I mean, I can remember the last time I ate there. I'm pretty sure that I ate there. It was definitely probably in middle school. And I could probably try to actually. I could look up the date, so maybe I will. Because uh, I ate there with my dad. It may have only been my dad and I, or maybe one or two of my other siblings. And I don't know the reason. I think it was uh, I think it was like part of a a emotional journey we had been on. And this was the uh, the the um. The bringing back of the emotional journey, uh, which I guess I'll talk about. I feel like maybe I talked about this on the podcast before, but maybe not. And I guess a lot of this is on my mind just because I was watching this thing about video games. On You'll see how it connects on uh, Netflix. Uh, But so, okay, so you'd go in there and it was very, it had a very chrome, like a golden chrome uh loungy feel. the only place I've eaten in the last twenty years that we can compare is uh, Emil Villas and that's a barbecue chain that I think is also slowly disappearing. that had it wasn't retro at the time, but like even twenty or fifteen years ago and ate at Emile Villas, I said this is kind of retro. Um, but so, okay. So, so they specialized in burgers and they would make the burgers like how you, you wanted them. Like say, oh, medium rare, well done. For a kid like me, you say, what do you mean? I, like, uh, cause usually you're just eating a, a burger at McDonald's or Burger King and the happy meal. And the burgers were very familiar, like a uh, very, uh, unique, uh, and definitely contrast with, uh, with fast food, and probably came with fries and lettuce and tomato and everything, which kids I probably didn't like. Uh, I also remember. So in when oh, so you said well, I want it medium well. It would come with a wooden uh, sign in your bun that said medium well. And I mean, just just if you run a restaurant right now, like that has sit down. Like, these are the kind of things, uh, small touches that could really earn you lifetime customers. I'm not kidding. Like when you're a kid and then you you say, can I, do I get to keep this? Like, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I did or not, but, uh, those are special things, those tactile things. So just a free, you know, free, uh, and usually because it was made of like some sort of wood, like balsa wood or something. Don't do it in plastic. Maybe a swizzle stick could be plastic, but just in case you're possible restaurant tours, uh, don't do anything else other than swizzle sticks and plastic, which is something that usually comes in adult drink to stir it. Or you know, I don't know. You, you sometimes you just underestimate kids. You say, "Well, this is a swirly straw," and you say, "Yeah, it's just a swirly straw you bought in bulk." Like, uh, give me something. You know what I'm saying? So, other than the retro feel, and it, I remember the place always felt busy in the, the burger thing, the other, and then everything came on plates and silverware. I mean, for a, a, kid, a child in a family of six, these, this is a major, like, uh, this, eating at a place like this. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine if we all of us ate there. One, I don't know if they'd have a place to put us all one table. Two... I don't know. I mean, I guess my parents would order for us because I can't imagine if we, like, because uh, you've all been to, even with someone with a few kids, if uh, you go somewhere and everybody's ordering, even with adults, you say, holy mackerel, that'll take a day or two to get the orders and then get the orders correct. Uh, so I don't think we all ever ate there as a family, though we may have, or we may have ate, eaten there as, in a group, uh... What was the other thing I remember though? Oh, the smell. So the burger and the restaurant had a very distinct smell. Like, and I'm not talking about. I'm talking about some sort of smell. It was neither good or bad. I mean, I guess it was shading towards good, but it was unique. And I always associated with that. So that's one of the most forlorn feelings, believe it or not, of not not existing is not being able to go there to confirm the smell or, and the smell was aligned with the food. And again, it wasn't an off smell, it was a unique smell. And the burger was what was generating the smell. Uh, And it was distinct. I guess it's not unique because unique could say, well, unique still doesn't say, well, is it distinct? And this is just my memory, so this could be—and maybe it was just looking at the plastic big boy. But uh, I remember the bun—like, it was very uniform, but not in a um, fast-food uniformness. And I think their bun was a bit denser uh, than a light, fluffy bun. And their burger was also—it was a a thicker burger. We're talking about, you know, an an inch, I guess— Like a, like a, uh, uh, you know, the, the top half of your thumb, you know, from your bend to your thumb. That's how thick the burger was, I think. But it wasn't a, I don't know, it wasn't dense, like, you know what I mean? I don't know if you, if you've had it before, you see, yeah, it had a density to it. I mean, not like a thick you know, when you're hand carving, crafting patties, you can make them, like some places have it where it's like very, I don't know. Those are just things I remember about it. I'm pretty sure the fries were steak fries. Uh, so the last time I remember eating there was when I was eating there with my dad. And I think this aligns with another episode I did recently. So maybe I'm just going through something in my subconscious uh but I'm pretty sure this was a time when my family was grappling with some family stuff. And I was probably acting out, as maybe as a result of that, or just being myself, which involved a lot of acting out and not, things not going well in school. And this dinner and what we did after dinner was a part of my— and maybe it was also me using the circumstances to my advantage, because it's always hard to tell with kids, like— uh Children learn very on how to influence their parents' behavior, which could be considered manipulative at times, uh, or it could be Darwinian. We say, okay, I'm going to take this situation and I'm going to use it to my advantage to get the most I can out of it. Uh, But so it was, it was, uh, I remember eating dinner and I, I don't really remember much about it other than like, holy cow, we're eating. But the part of the reason why we were there was because a couple doors down—now, this was on a boulevard, so it wasn't like you could walk. Nothing was walkable. Even though it was like three driveways down, you had to drive. And I wish—now, it, it's interesting that I remember so many details, but I don't remember the name of this place. But there was a place—and again, this was a pretty big-box era— so this was a place, it was a, before before even big box places that went out of business, like Barnes & Noble. This was way before that. And this place, I'm pretty sure it was, in, and again, this was at the beginning of the computer gaming era. So there wasn't like game GameStop or even Best Buy. And so, what, or even like office, you know, office the maximum or whatever. And so, if you wanted to get computer games, yeah, there might be a computer game store at the mall or something, but again, on the boulevard. So, this place, it was, a, I'm pretty sure it was a bookstore and it sold c- computer stuff, uh, probably, maybe not computers themselves. And I'm pretty sure it was a corporate place. Like, I don't know what chain it was. It wasn't, I don't think it was Walden Books because they were more mall-based. So I have no idea what it's called. I'll have to, I'll have to try to look into it. But, uh, what was my point? So, oh, so we had gone there. So this was like, uh, in the, I was in the age range where I had, my dad likes to read. So he, so like, uh, I think I had convinced him to go there, but really, I wanted to go there to see if they had a couple of games in stock. Uh, and uh, there was uh, like uh, there was a couple of games, and I think like uh, we this was I talked about this a long time ago, but like we had uh, we we had gone through a few different computers, and maybe this was when we had moved on to a new computer. But the computers in my life, the personal computers, we started off with a TI-99-4A, which was a Texas Instruments computer. And that was a very long time ago, but it could play games and cartridges. Then we moved on uh, to whatever the first version of a PC clone was. I don't think those were 1086s, but I don't remember the first. Uh, I mean, not for us as the first-generation Uh, So they were called PC Clones because uh, you didn't have to buy one from IBM, which was a creator of uh, the DOS because you could just put on DOS. I think it was always MS-DOS or I guess a DOS-based computer. And we had got one uh, and you, you could build these, which you can still do today. I don't know, my dad, I think uh, Rick was the one who built our computer, uh, uh, who's someone I worked with, uh, who my dad worked with too. But so we had this one and had a a graphics adapter called a CGA graphics adapter, which was not very powerful. It could only display like four colors at a time, which were usually, you had to choose when you're like a, I don't know if you could choose in the settings, but, like, if you were playing a game, it would either be light blue, like a pink, and then black and white. Is that right? Or green, yellow. Well, I don't know. When it was green or yellow, I can picture, like, a red in there, too. And no—I don't think you there was no shading or anything. So, I don't know. I've talked about it before, and then, I like, I never remember. So, uh, it was low-powered, and then it had, like, a, like I don't even think it was an 8-bit, like, so its uh, sound card was just, like, uh, very basic. And we were, like, a little bit, like, usually, and just like me today, we were not early adopters. You know, we had six kids in the house, so this was, like, the, the previous generation normally is where we would get in on the technology, so at the time, the competing technology was called EGA, which stood for Enhanced Graphics Adapter. And then after that was something called VGA, which was Video Graphics Adapter, I think. Uh, and like the EGA, I think, had could display 16 colors, uh, which was a lot compared to four. And then the VGA was like, I think, I think 256 colors. And the same thing went for sound cards. Like uh, we had, like whatever, eight bit or four bit sound cards. So it just made just like the you'd hear like like one step down from eight bit music. But in some sense, there was something uh, like uh, the sound card was like is not as distracting because you still. I don't know, I think the programmers were able to be a little bit more creative or they had a little bit more space. uh, And, uh, like, a lot of times you just needed that one channel or two channels to create a... if you weren't trying to... because you weren't trying to create reality. At the time, the games were just not uh, reality-based games. So at the time, I more had FOMO for the visuals versus the audio. And the reason I had FOMO uh, was I got introduced to one of my friends, Charlie. He had a a 2GS, an Apple computer, an Apple 2GS. I think he also had an Apple II something else. Uh, But the Apple 2GS at the time was, like, absolutely groundbreaking. Like, it was more powerful than even a VGA PC as far as if you wanted to play games or do creative things. Uh, like it had like, it, it could display so many colors and it had whatever, I think they called it some something number voice was how you rated the sound card at the time. So it was like, a th- like you could do, uh, you could do like orchestra and it had like a early, uh, it came with, or you could buy. You know, painting programs and, uh, like, I remember my friend Charlie, he was making music at the time on there. So early digital audio workstations. Uh, But where it really excelled for middle schoolers was video, like, playing games, computer games, which are different than video games. Just a little bit more complex, a little bit, a lot of times less communal and larger world, larger in scope uh, and more story-based uh, little video, like uh, Nintendo and stuff had its own appeal. Okay, so this store we, we we were going to, so I guess for me, especially because I was with like uh, six kids uh, and I had had jobs on and off, I guess I would have probably still had my paper in seventh grade. Uh, but so I still had some kind of income and then by freshman, and then I got it like this was back when I remember working at a grocery store. You could get a job like 14 or 15, though I talked about that. That job did not last very long. I guess that was, uh, when I was a freshman in high school, but anyway, so where was I? Okay. Oh, so the store, whatever it was called it sold computer games. And there was like, it was just weird that it was hard. You couldn't go online to buy computer games in really like, unless you bought computer mag game magazines, like you really didn't know about stuff. Like the way to market it was much different. So, so much of it was word of mouth. So in my friend, Charlie, he got like a couple like computer magazines or stuff. There was even one that had like the walkthroughs and stuff like that but so he knew a lot about, he taught me a lot about computer games, uh, in one of the great companies, there was two great companies or maybe three at the time or four. Well, we get into, the most important one is Roberta Williams and Sierra online. And I've talked about her before and she was just on this do- documentary. It was, it wasn't, I would have liked to have more Roberta Williams personally because she's one of my heroines, but, uh, it was pretty cool to watch her because they did show her working on story for, you know, or remembering working on the story for one of her first games. But so she made these games, and two of the more popular games she made were called uh, King's Quest and Space Quest uh and they had spawned all these sequels, and they would come out for PC and Apple. And I think at the time, you probably had to put out a Mac version and an Apple 2GS version. And then on the PC, it had to be able to scale, ideally, at least initially, for CGA, EGA, maybe VGA. Though if you're using the performance of the VGA, you're usually probably using too much memory for CGA to work. But so she did have games that would work on, I remember I bought one one or two games that didn't, like our computer couldn't handle. And maybe I returned those. But at some point, and I don't think it was with this trip, like I had read. So I started researching, I think maybe at the library they had computer magazines, or maybe I bought a couple. And there was this game based on the movie Willow. Because there was, like, the desire was, oh, can we get these games to have some sort of cinematic feel? And there was even a gaming company called, I don't know if they are called Cinemagic, but they had a couple uh, games. They had a Three Stooges game. They had a a Chicago, uh, like, Untouchables-style game. And then they had, like, a medieval game. Uh, none of which, of course, I can remember, like uh, what they're called. Uh, but they were all very cinematic, uh, and especially on the 2GS, it really used the graphics cards. But th- so, but this company did not make this game about the mo- based on the movie Willow. But I read that it could, you could get it working on our computer, or maybe this was when that we had changed computers or changed graphics cards. Uh, I think I kept asking for a graphics card for Christmas. But eventually, we just ended up getting a new computer. Because, you know, even like back then, the like computer said, well, no, it doesn't work. You know, it only works for a couple of years or the hardware changes. But I think we did get a graphics card and then maybe the com- like... Uh, and I was very stubborn. I said, well, I'll just just get me the card and I'll figure the rest out. But so... I I really wanted, like, you know when you really want something, like, uh, you desire it, uh, and you think it's going to, you could feel yourself. uh, This was how it was with this Willow game. And it was a popular game, I thought. And I remember being like, uh, like, because whatever the emotional journey my father and I had been on, the compact, the healing compact we had agreed on was like, or it was like, we'll go out to dinner and we'll discuss this. Uh, and my, there was a lot of my father's shoulders at the time. So it was like, okay, we'll deal with this. And then we'll go get to this bookstore and look for your computer game. Or maybe it was like, well, how can we make this feel better? And I said, well, I just want to go get this computer game. And maybe even at the time I was like, I have the money to pay for it. Uh, but so we went there and of course they didn't have the game, uh, Oh boy so i said oh no and uh uh like uh, like and then i remember being like kind of dismayed because uh, and maybe they even had it in mac so i like even had to look at the box or they only had the like vga version uh, but I was like, sure, this was a game for me, that this was going to change everything. And I, I think I even asked, or my dad asked, because I can picture the layout of the store even. uh, Like when you walk in, uh, you know, had a big front window, the door was on the left. Very typical, you know, outdoors, like a uh, walk in the store, glass door with the bell. Well, this was a larger store. And then... Like, what, right when you walk in, there was displays, and I think the front of the store was the computer stuff, and then the back of the store is the books and the other stuff. And I think my dad and I separated, and I was, like, looking. But I also—and I don't know if it was this trip, uh, but I think it was that I got the first version. So Sierra Online also had a new game called Community Resource uh, uh, Person like, uh, trying to solve a mystery. And so I did get that game and that game was like, it really, uh, was able to make the most, so I didn't ever got the Willow game or if I did, it it said it was going to work on our computer and it wouldn't, but I'm pretty sure I just never got it. But like, uh, and I I think I felt like I kind of settled, I said, well, I'll get this game or maybe it was just another time that I got that game, the community resource investigator game solving stuff uh and I got that game and uh it was a my mind was blown uh it, it was able to make the most of uh like whoever programmed that game for a cga like a basic pc clone uh had really outdone themselves because they the, uh even though it was like just a basic beep 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 to deep beep like they were able to have a beat uh even though there was four graphics, it was able to present uh, an experience that felt uh, immersive. I mean, in, in a way, at the time, that made me like that made me forget about everything else. And this was different because I talked about video games in me, like, uh, and this is like I guess that episode is kind of like an emotional intensity episode. This is more of the flourishing and the positivity of computer games, like it gave me this world to explore and like challenges to solve. Uh, and I think probably there were times I was obsessing over it, but it wasn't like when I played Nintendo or something where it was like, uh, it was a different kind, of, like those are like very visceral, um, almost like uh, animal level experiences playing those games a lot of times for me. And, like, I struggled with addiction and that stuff. And and computer games could be like that, too. In this game, I definitely spent a lot of time in it and a lot of time, like, trying to solve the different challenges and obstacles and puzzles. Because it was like uh, you're trying to solve a mystery kind of thing. And uh, it was very rule-based and stuff like that. So I remember being like, holy moly. And I don't know if this was the first game in the series or the second game in the series. I'd have to look that up too. But just remember being my mind being blown. And maybe again, yeah, it was, I was a late adopter because not that long. I mean, maybe it was a long time after that. The sequel or the, or the third one came out. And uh, again, I had the money to pay for it. And there was different things going on at my house and, uh, whoever was helping take care of us, uh, and staying with us. And I remember telling her like, uh, I got to go to the store. I need to drive me to the store so I can get this computer game. And she was a babysitter, right? So she was like torn. She was like, well, uh. I don't know if that's like uh, your, your parent. And I said, well, I have the money to pay for it. Uh, and I, again, there's this deep desire, in some sense, a craving. But it was also like summer. And uh, I was like, I could really like uh, get lost in this game, like, uh, and have it would be really fun for me. And again, I was probably immature. So I was probably older than you're thinking. <laughs> but but my, I, I mean, I, I am just not a mature person. And I remember her being unsure about it. And I said, well, you could ask, I mean, maybe I said, well, I asked my parents, but uh, it was just because the game had just come out or something. And I don't know if I called the store, but I can remember that one because I remember, uh, like, you know, that feeling when you have something, I don't know, like, uh, brand new that you're looking forward to, especially as a kid, but as an adult too. And you're like, I can't wait to get home. And I, so I remember all the build up, like, uh, and it was almost like a challenge getting the game, but I had the money. And I'm sure at the time, maybe games cost $20, maybe they cost $40, I don't know. But it was like uh, an investment. Uh, and then I was like, please let it work on the computer. Like, please don't, because again, like with the different configurations. Uh, but I think I had research and I'm like, no, no, this is supposed to work on a CGA, like lower, like whatever we have. And it did again, and again it was like, or maybe I'm like mashing up these memories, but it, it was like, uh, it was an improvement on the on the other version. I don't remember the story or anything, but I just remember all the stuff you had to do, and then it, I think it did change, like, uh, sometimes it was like a third-person perspective, and sometimes it was like a POV first-person and that, that was new. Like, I think in the previous game, it was always, like, a third-person or, like, a not even a third-person perspective. Like, you're seeing it—I uh, don't know what you call it—but, like, uh, you're seeing it at a distance, and you're moving the character around on the screen. And it was side view, like, uh, versus this was POV. And it would switch between the two, and then it had, like, uh, cut scenes, just like games today do. Though they weren't movie cutscenes, they'd be, like, uh, more detailed pictures or something. And I'm pretty sure, and maybe this was the game, that it was, like, they even figured out a way to synthesize, like, a voice through, like, a one, like, one, I don't know, like, uh, like a walkie-talkie voice or something, where I was like, I cannot believe they're doing this. So... Or maybe, but there was also, I can also remember playing one of the King's Quest games, uh, and then getting that sequel. And that was where it wouldn't work with our computer. So that was like, uh, so that was something, I don't know. So that, those are two things. I think across, so across this boulevard, trying to think what else was on this boulevard, a a place where you go, uh, when people like a home, like a, a home, uh, when people go uh, to the place in the sky. Then there was an ice cream place, soft serve. One of my friends owned it for a while as an adult, uh, Marnie, but uh, doesn't own it anymore. Across the street in one direction was the pizza hut we would go to as kids uh, when it was a big deal, one of the two pizza huts, uh, for a sit-down, big family meal, like special occasion It was also a church uh, that we, we, it was a Catholic church uh, that was really well known for having a late mass on Sundays. Uh, So that was like, as your kids got older, you might have to go to that. Uh, It was like 4 or 5 p.m. on Sundays. And then as you got older, like maybe you would go, try to go there because uh, it was more like if you had a crush on somebody that might be there, you'd be like, well, at least uh, there's a higher priority of them being there. Um, and then, yeah, the oh, the mini golf place that I talked about in mini golf and me or mini golf memories was down there. And then Fairmount Fair Mall, which has been a long time since I talked about that. So I'll talk about that a little with our last few minutes here. And then I'm sorry, uh, Bob's True Value. You know, maybe we'll visit you again. So Fairmount Fair Mall. uh, Let's see, what could we have time to talk about? So this was a mall that was there when I was, like, like it wasn't a new mall. So whenever I became mall sentient... uh, Which, uh, would have been, you know, you would have gone there to get, and we didn't really get our clothes at the mall. Uh, so I'm trying to think of the first time we would have gone to, I guess you'd go there for like, oh yeah, you definitely go there for like walking around in the holidays because that's when they had audio animatronics and a lot of cotton that was supposed to look like snow. And you could go there. Oh, also, my dad, when he was a smoker, like, or pipe smoker, this is how different the world was. They would have a pipe shop. Uh, and sometimes they would either give away or sell really cheap to get kids early. You wouldn't get any tobacco, but they would sell corncob pipes. Uh. So I remember going a couple times and me and my brother getting corncob pipes. And this was the '80s mall, so you're talking. I, I'm assuming there was an Orange Julius. There was definitely an arcade. Maybe we got to go to the arcade when we were little, but uh, like I don't remember going there too much until I was in middle school. There was an the anchor store, like the anchor tenants, which would have been probably Sears and J.C. Penny and maybe one other, one or two other companies. Uh, that I'm forgetting. But yeah, the things I remember most about this mall were one the the holiday decorations because uh, uh, they were quaint but in a cool way. Like they like had like where you see like oh they pretend that thing's pretending to saw uh, uh, something. Like they would have a Santa's workshop type stuff. Uh, oh, they're pretending to you know that Santa's pretending to wave. Very basic animatronic, not animatronic figures, but like one motion figures. Uh, Also, like in Syracuse, now this was a one level mall. It did have some ups and downs, which I talked about in like an early mall walking episode. So it wasn't all on, it was only one floor. It wasn't level though, which I think was either brilliant or just how they had to design it where they built it. But it gave it some variety and also probably prevented it because it was just one long thing from being one long thing. And then down the middle, it had a trough on and off with like water. Then there'd be a fountain with like tons of skylights. Uh, what else? And then a a very big memory of mine was one time my dad volunteered there. Let's see this. How do I uh, term this? Uh, my dad had a volunteer shift uh, uh, for the March of Dimes, and they did a fundraiser every uh, October. Uh, and this was like a store that had gone. This year, this was only year. Oh no, we went to it a couple other times at different places, but this was this particular year. One of the anchor tenants at this mall had left, probably because this mall was slowly in the decline. Because then they had built a new mall, like literally like uh, a half a mile away. So this mall would see this, this slow decline, but or maybe it was a mile away, but it wasn't that far. And then that mall would see a decline, but those were the malls of my youth. Maybe I'll do another episode about this more. Um, say, scoots are really, uh, I say, yeah, you know, we got to do this, but uh, yeah, I guess this could be a series, the malls of my youth. I, I mean, I like to talk about malls. I've talked about them before. Why am I debating myself about this? But so this one memory I'll finish with. uh, And, you know, I was like a stubborn kid. Now, this was probably like uh, this was in grammar school, but maybe I was in sixth grade and my brother Carl would have been in fourth grade. And it was just the two of us. So we'll say that maybe I was in fifth grade and he was in third grade. Uh, But my dad was volunteering at this thing they did in October to raise money for the March of Dimes where you were... uh, led through a house of surprise and fun uh, themed around the Halloween season, if you catch my drift. And my dad was vol volunteer for the, that day's shift, uh, which I presume would be like six hours. I mean, it felt like we were there for like eight hours. Uh, and at first I kind of felt like... Uh, Whatever the arrangement was, my mom was like, you're taking those two kids with you. Or my dad was like, why don't you come with me? It'll be fun. And I was like, I want to watch cartoons or whatever. And so first, I think me and my brother were ornery. And then it kind of felt cool because it was just such a different thing. My dad was like selling tickets and people were coming and we had seen Inside before it got started, but I was like, I'm not a brave person. So I was like, well, I don't want to be uh, in a seasonal display of surprise and fun. I don't find that fun. And the, the people that were dressing up uh, as character actors uh, for this uh, seasonal display of surprise and fun were coming. And they were being kind. They weren't trying to make us not into it. And they were like, oh, you should come in. it, And it was very cool in the sense that you had a tour guide. So not only was there, and I'm assuming these were teens that were volunteering, but maybe they were just community members supporting this organization. Uh, but so they, uh, you'd get led through it and it was through a store that we had been to. So I don't know which store it had closed, but that was another cool thing was like, uh, I know I've been in, I was at this store before it went out of business uh, but so it finally, like, they kept being like, come on. And I was like, no, I can't handle it. And I think my dad was like, well, I'll go with you on my break. And I was like, no. And I had to wait. And this wasn't the only time my younger brother had more courage than me and had to lead the way, which he's probably done a lot of times in his life. So thank you, Carl. Daniel and Julie, if you're listening, hello. But so Carl went, and he either went by himself or with my dad through this uh, display of, usually this is the older brother's role, I think, but not in my case. Because it, that was just like the same thing with roller coasters. I would have to wait for Carl to go on it first. But he went through the display and then came back, uh, and uh, and then I said, oh, wow, you made it through. And he goes, yeah, it's so cool. You got to come with me. And then we must have gone through this thing with every single group. So we probably were annoying. But I, th- I can remember... Uh, It was, again, like being, like, uh, I remember just, like, thinking about the story that the guide was telling us and the sound effects and being impressed. Like I said, I think some of the stuff is, like, even uh, set up to the sound effects because there was, like, the chimes when it turned midnight, and that's when, like, a bunch of action would happen, and then there was a couple other displays you went and looked at. It wasn't anything like these modern places of su- seasonal surprise, uh, not that level of intensity, but somewhere enough that I, I think it was more geared towards, I mean, I'm sure adults and kids went, but it wasn't just for kids. Like it wasn't toned down to that degree because it was made to make money for, for the, for, for the organization and I just remember, it's like definitely a treasure memory of mine that it could have been something that it was resistant and, and afraid of. So I don't know if there's a takeaway there. Have a younger brother that's braver than you is one takeaway and appreciate that. But also, uh, it was just cool because then we went through it so many times that we were like picking out more and more details, like with Ray and the theme parks of like, wow, look at that. Or, oh, or maybe we were starting to sneak off or walk slower and then it got to a point where it was like, okay, now I remember these pillars. You know, stores like in the mall like that, uh, and this was more of an a, a anchor store, so it was like a—and these old malls, they were like one story, but the anchor stores were sometimes two stories or they had high ceilings because they were like a story and a half. And so they'd have these big pillars, and, and some of the pillars would have mirrors on them and stuff. Uh, so— I don't know, and then, you know, I remember just, like, I actually, like, uh, being with my brother as the, the characters were, like, playing with us, uh, or then they realized we were game, so then they were trying to surprise us. It's uh, so really a really great memory of, uh, so I guess that's, like, one of the boulevards in my life that's really a street, so thank you, Genesee Street. Uh, you've been here for so many episodes, really. Good uh, uh, Good night.